Hey guys, welcome Hi. to another episode of Conversations with Cat and Tully. In this podcast, we dive into conscious relationship, journeying through parenthood, and all things lifestyle creation. So join us in creating your own new normal as we share our stories and talk with some incredible leaders in their field. Thanks for being here, guys. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode. What's up, guys? Now, I put out a story. We both put out a story on our mm. Instagrams this week, um, asking you guys to submit any questions you have for Tully and myself. And we wanted to do a two-part series on just an Ask Tully and Ask Cat, just because we are getting lots of burning questions in our inboxes and thought it would be way more fun to just address them over mm. here. So I've got a piece of paper in front of me with a bunch of questions that... Tully has been asked from you guys and they're pretty juicy, won't mm-hmm. lie. A lot of them are pretty it's juicy. So we also had a handful of questions about finding the one and how do you know if you found the one, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We had a lot of questions on business and facilitation and becoming self-employed mm. and we also had a lot of questions on dating. However, I feel like those could all be pretty solid episodes on their own. Mm. So we're going to address those questions in other episodes. So if you ask those, thank you. Um, mm. And for this episode though, we've got bunches of questions really in the categories of health and well-being and like your routines and lifestyle stuff. Uh, questions in the fatherhood category. Uh, and also with men's emotional well-being and a few questions regarding relationship. Mm. So that's what we're going to be covering in this week's episode. I'm pretty excited to get into these questions. Rafi's currently asleep yeah. at the moment um, over on the other side of the room. So there's I might a, have to run and grab him if he wakes up. 99.9% chance that he's probably going to wake up during this episode. <laughs> we'll see. So we'll see um, how we go. So shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Just got to sip my chai. Mm. So the first question that came through was, Tully, when did you start your spiritual journey? And what, yeah, essentially would love for you to share your story regarding that. And that is from Brooke. Mm, Good question. When I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't, didn't have a distinct, huge awakening. Um, and I kind of feel like we're all on a spiritual journey and it all starts when we're born and we might become more aware or more intentional about it during different, different aspects of our life. But, um, I started to ask questions and think about things differently, more intentionally when I started to travel. Mm. So I, I left high school. I worked on the cray, cray boats with my dad and my brother for a season. Can you guys imagine Tully with a red mullet? Yeah, it was pretty. Wearing beard, a visor. Would be at the pub <laughs> every day after Bundy work. Cans. Yeah, that's it. So, I, yeah, I'd say that was pre, pre-spiritual pre I can't path. even imagine him like that, to be honest. <laughs> um, glory days. Hashtag glory days. Um but yeah, and then I then I went traveling, started to see the world, started to see different cultures. And really when I was studying physio, I did one of my placements um, in Cambodia and lived there. I think I was there for like nine weeks or 10 weeks and got to live and work in a completely different culture. And that's when I really woke up to the fact that, um, and I hadn't done quote unquote personal development mm. at this point, but it became very clear 
I just started asking different questions. Like a lot of these, the people I would meet and like have conversations with were living below the poverty line, mm. but I kind of seemed a lot happier than other people I'd met that weren't. Mm. And just questions around culture, how we live our life, what does it mean to be alive, all of those kinds of things. I just started to, um, yeah, get curious about. So then, yeah, I started working as a physio in private practice. Um, and then I, I kind of touched on this in, in our first, oh no, it was our last episode that we just did, mm. that, yeah, I just started to see, I guess, problems with the way things were done um, in the the healthcare system and just more in the way we approached life. And I just, I knew what was kind of put on the table for us, go to school, go to uni, get a job, do the thing, buy the house, have two and a half kids. I was like, <laughs> two and a half. I, I know, I know. I, I just had this innate sense that there was way more to yeah. this than that. Um, so it was, yeah, always curious. Mm. A pivotal, a memory that just popped up for me though was I was in my bedroom watching YouTubes as you do and I came across this video by, it was the words were from Charles Eisenstein. If you don't know Charles Eisenstein, definitely look him up. He's written a bunch of books um, and one of his books really changed my life. But this video was called A New Story of the People and it was like words from one of his talks, one of his speeches and he spoke into basically like how everything that's set up in the world, our financial system, healthcare system, like all of it is based on this idea of separation. Mm. I'm separate from you, you're separate from me, we're we're both separate from the environment around us and that fundamental belief, that deep-rooted belief is at the crux of how we operate mm. in the world and that mm. itself is the source of so much suffering, mm-hmm. dis-ease, breakdown, all of these things and that just hit me. Um, I got super emotional. I just started crying um, because it was like it encapsulated all these sort of thoughts I'd, and feelings I'd been having and it was just articulated so well and I was like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. that's that's it. And then so, yeah, from then on I just started seeking out books teachers mentors that were speaking into ways of being that resembled living from a place of connection yeah so yeah and then then it it gradually went along its course so it wasn't really a distinct moment it was very much a gradual it's been a gradual opening for me and do you feel like then you know you found yourself at seminars and uh, personal development workshops and that sort of thing and then that just kind of created a lot of momentum I guess yeah definitely and like I kind of found personal development kind of through network marketing back in the day and then outside of that as well Um, but that really opened up to a different way of being Um, yeah and then so (laughs) Kat's just spitting out at you (laughs) Don't tell everyone. <laughs> What's wrong with your chai, babe? Oh, no, I just had like, I think I almost swallowed some chai leaves and oh, it wasn't good and I was trying to keep a straight really face. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, yeah, started learning, going to seminars, going to retreats. Basically, I dove into it over the space of... Years. years. Yeah, I would have been, I don't know, I haven't added it up, I probably should, but tens, like tens of thousands of dollars 
and a lot of time mm. into um, spiritual growth, I guess you'd call it, mm. but mindset work, emotional well-being, all of that stuff. Um, a, I just love to learn and B, it just felt like I I was searching to make sense of it all, mm. to almost like develop a framework that made sense for me that mm-hmm. I could apply to my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what drove yeah. that learning and growth. Um, and then it transitioned into, once I sort of developed that, transitioned into learning and growth around facilitation and, and teaching mm-hmm. and speaking mm-hmm. and all of these things. Again, because that's where my interest was and how yeah. I can... I was like, well, surely if I've been thinking and feeling this way for 10 years, there's probably a few other people that <laughs> yeah. are doing the same. And if I can shortcut the journey a little bit, then, um, yeah, that's kind of what I started dedicating yeah. my life to, really. And that, I guess, kind of leads into another question that we had from Belle about, you know, were you scared of, like, what, what led you up to the decision of, I actually need to leave physio. Mm. I don't want to be a physiotherapist anymore. What led into that decision and was it scary going from being, you know, full-time employed as a Mm. physiotherapist with that as a, you know, I guess to some extent there's that social standing alongside it as a profession as well. Mm. And then going into the self-employment world Mm. and having to figure that out, you know, from step one all over. Yeah, I guess it it was, I don't know if I'd say it was scary. It was a big thing. Um but I, I knew I'd always have it there. I think, especially with physio, it's like I would never be, like if you're a physio and you're good at what you do, you're not going to be out of a job. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, worst case scenario, I fall flat on my face. It doesn't work. I'd go back to doing what I was doing. Yeah. Like the absolute worst case scenario was I end up back where I was yeah. anyway. Um, so I, I always kept that really present, but it was more like fear of being misunderstood um, more of those kind mm. of like social type fears. Yeah, what, what were the fears that kind of... You guys, by the way, I'm also asking my own questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, but what were the fears that were coming up for you as um, you were making that transition? Yeah, it was mainly that. It was like, what if it doesn't work? If it doesn't work and you've declared... Like if you declare you're going to go and do something and then it doesn't work, you know, you might look like an idiot. Mm. You know, like that was popping up, but... That compared to the pain of staying where I was Mm -hmm. and then what I did well in retrospect was I future paced where what the pain of staying where I was. I was like, if I don't make this decision 25 years down the track, where am I going to be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? And I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. Like that is, that sucks. So even though it was scary and all of that, it became a no brainer. The, yeah, the fear didn't outweigh. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's what um, – and often when I'm – even when, when I'm coaching people, it's we, we disconnect from from that. We get so comfortable in our routines mm-hmm. and it's like taking the time to be like, hang on a second, where I'm at now, if nothing changes, where am I going to end up Yeah. 10 years from now? Yeah. And then juxtaposing that, like comparing that side by side to, okay – if I make a change, what and then all of a sudden things get a bit simpler, yeah, and and it takes you out of or took me out of that fear of what will people think and all that bullshit. So yeah, totally, and I mean, like, I was there for parts of your journey, and knowing that you still had to come up against your own challenges with that, right? Like, it's well, not I had to go back as... to physio work. Yeah, yeah. So like, I left 
built my um, business up to a certain point and I was like, shit, yeah, if it keeps growing like this, happy days. So left physio. Yeah. And then for a period of about this, a year about or 18 months. This is about sorry, six or seven six, years ago. Yeah, with, so that. you left physio with network marketing initially, yep. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it got to the point where I was like, oh, I need to go back yeah. and, and work again. And again, like um, there's nothing wrong with that. Your ego will pipe up mm-hmm. and it definitely mm-hmm. did. There was a resistance to it. Um, but I just went and got part-time physio work again. And it was kind of like a false start. It was like, oh, course correct, learned a bunch of things. Let's go back, settle the foundations and then go again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how I kind of approached that. Awesome. Cool. So next up, dun, 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 now we're getting into the emotional stuff. You ready? Love this shit. <laughs> so great question from Megan or Megan. How did you put aside the general male ego and get in touch with yourself? Hmm. Well, I guess I don't know if I can speak to the general male ego. I don't really know what she means by that. But um, I can speak for myself, not for all men. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess there's a resistance to... I never really had that. I guess, again, there was a resistance to it. But for me, the pain of staying where I was without exploring that um, always outweighed it. And I think putting myself in environments where it became kosher to do that stuff, to develop a a deeper understanding of myself, to because environment is really, really powerful. So if you're in an environment that isn't conducive to that, you're probably not going to do it. Whereas if you're yeah. in an environment that is conducive to that, you're probably going to do it. So I think environment um, is huge. And I guess there is one well, there was more so like six or seven years ago, a bigger resistance to men talking about this stuff, doing this sort of stuff. And a lot of the rooms I would end up in, in terms of retreats and all these things were like 80% women. 90% women, yeah. yeah. Some of them. Um, yeah, and, and others like general leadership stuff, but even then it was probably like 70% women. Um, I think this day and age, like it's, that resistance isn't as high anymore. I feel like there's this tiny, thin layer of resistance and then as soon as guys are given permission, they're ready to open up yeah, and so explore is, things. Is that something that you've noticed? For example, like let's talk about your retreat for a second mm. and how you're literally in a room with all men, so that's 100% men, mm. Um how do you did you see a lot of those men kind of bring down those walls and get in touch with themselves, even if that had been the first space they'd ever been in? Yeah, I think bringing it back to like what the next step is mm. and not comparing. It's like for some for some people, for some men, just showing up to a course or a workshop is that step. Yeah, is that step outside their comfort zone? Is that step for some men diving really deep within that space? Is the next step? And I guess for some men, even just listening to a podcast yeah. or reading a book or something yeah. could be that next step, right? Yeah. Or having a conversation. It can yeah. be really that simple. Yeah, and so it's just um, when we have a reason why, and I feel like the biggest thing actually for men is when they understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, 
because that's the question I was I would always be asking why why and then I understood mm. I'm like well it makes perfect sense to explore this stuff even though it's uncomfortable yeah it makes so much sense and then when it made sense like logically what I could was that surrender logic to for it. you well in terms of the importance of emotional intelligence the importance mm. of if stuff is suppressed what that's actually doing how that's flowing into my behavior and mm. therefore my relationships yeah. so yeah so it's like once you see that then it becomes obvious. It's like, okay, cool. Rather than this weird thing, oh, I don't need to do that shit. Like, oh, it's like, oh, actually, it makes perfect sense to be looking at this yeah. stuff. And it's almost ridiculous not to. Uh-huh. Like, it's almost, yeah, it's just once you actually understand it all, um, understand how we operate as mm-hmm. human beings, as relational beings, mm-hmm. then it's like fucking stupid mm. to not explore it yeah learn more about it ask questions about exactly it. and like you said it doesn't mean you have to go uh to the himalayas and meditate on top of the mountain for the next mm. 20 years mm. it just literally means like what's the next step and yeah. to look at the next step yeah and understanding the science behind it the physiology behind yeah. it what's happening in our bodies uh-huh. like that's yeah i think and and that's why the guys that do come to the retreats and the stuff that i run open up yeah like it's purely because I provide that context. So they're like, oh, okay, cool. Because that context and understanding creates safety and safety allows people to open up and that's what is required mm-hmm. for healing and stuff to take place. So Totally. So, so then I guess that leads really well into the next question. Um, so how should women go about men's emotional problems or emotions and problems like from a male's point of view, because I think as women we have many great ideas on how we should go about things. I've got a thing or two to say um, about this one. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, from like a guy's point of view, and of course you can't speak for every guy out there, but what well, do you feel I'll, like I'll is I'll speak just from my point yeah. of view yeah. on all of these. Um, is like stop trying to fix mm. your man or, or men. It's like we talk about masculine and feminine energies. And uh, an undeveloped trait of the masculine energy that's in both men and women is the need to fix. And it's really obvious when that's happening in men because, like, we love to do that. And women, like, when your man tries to fix you instead of just listening to you, how does that feel? Not very good. Super frustrating. Just shut up and listen. I don't need you to fix me. The same goes. And I find the masculine energy in women actually needs a lot of developing. Because that desire to, what can I do for him? How can I do this? How can I do this for him? What can I do? Like a lot of the time, just check in. And if that's coming from a desire to fix a problem or change someone, change him, then just, yeah, take a step back. <laughs> do less. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, it just, just creates some space. Mm-hmm. Like develop your own masculine energy in terms of your ability to listen without judgment, hold space, allow him to, what does Alison Armstrong say about to speak, going to the well? Like, Oh, well, there you go. Like women, if you are looking for some resources, the book, the Queen's code by Alison Armstrong is, I love Alison Armstrong. Really, really <laughs> awesome. Um, I mean, obviously reading it, take what resonates with you, leave what doesn't, but there's a lot of gold Mm. in there regarding understanding men and how to communicate effectively with men. Yeah, and so just, yeah, create this, but like 
everybody's will come to it in their own time um and the more you can it's like that if you're leaning in your partner's going to lean out it's kind of that like resonance we have so if you can sort of lean out a little bit and create the space there's going to be more space for him to express Mm. um to to explore that kind of thing um and yeah and often it's really it's good to bring that into the relationship but it's also important that us as men have men that we can explore yes that stuff with yeah as well um and yeah ask him as well ask your your partner like what's the best way because he might be like a lot of men we just process things differently a lot of the time we'll need solitude and you know like if stuff's coming up for me a lot of the time you just give me space Mm. you've learned to just give me space um because that's what helps me i I can process that and if i've got stuff to bring up yeah you hold the space for that and so real quick rewind five seconds is when you say okay so men need to be around other men where that where they can talk about this stuff there are a lot of men who don't have that space that community that group of brothers who they can be open and honest with and i guess like there's a there's something to be said for okay going first and being the one to open up because then that's giving others permission to do the same and do that as well but how would you suggest a man go about um connecting with other men you know on a bit of the same page Mm. And, and then even initiating those sorts of conversations because that can be quite confronting as well, right? Yeah, definitely. And it t- requires a level of sort of vulnerability, putting yourself out there. But the biggest thing is just take responsibility for it. Mm. Don't wait for it to just fall in your lap. Like, as a man, like, just recognize. And again, if you understand how important it is to have that, then you'll seek it out Mm. going back to the why understanding the why the logic behind it um, and just take responsibility for it in the world of social media it's not that hard i don't believe to find people to follow people to speak to like groups to find there's a lot of it around now if you're looking for it yeah so it's just rather than being like oh how can it can't like take some responsibility like take some initiative for it yeah awesome and We've got another question uh, from a woman. How can I lovingly support my partner into stepping into his divine masculine or developed masculine and so that he can lead us? Mm, I guess it's kind of similar to what, like Mm. create the space for it. Um, Yeah. Create the space for it and just always just check in with where it's coming from. Is it coming from an expansive place or a contracted place? Is it coming from a um, like scarcity or is it coming from an abundance? Like we like, I think like how we're doing what we're doing is more important than what we're doing. How mm. we're saying what we're saying is more important than what we're saying. So, in terms of the energy that we come from. Mm. Because we can say, hey, do you want to go and do this course? Hey, let's read this book. Hey, let's do this thing. Yeah. But if that's coming from a desire to fix because he's not good enough as he is or or whatever it may be, that will be felt. Gotcha, yeah. And there'll be withdrawal. Yeah. So it's like continue to stay in your own lane, doing your own work. Mm -hmm. And then 
like in yeah in creating the space for it more of an invitation yeah yeah okay and so then like let's say hypothetically there's a woman who feels like she's needing to kind of direct the family or lead the family in whatever direction that is kind of be on top of everything and she's wanting that space for herself to be able to surrender and just feel like he's taking care of things Mm. this is like a hypothetical Mm. situation how would you suggest that she encourage that dynamic reversal let him feel you so let him feel what that overload of pressure that you're taking on or if you feel like you're leading or if you um yeah the stress the weight of that Mm. a acknowledge it in yourself what that's actually doing to you how heavy it is and then be expressed to him from that place from not from your logical masculine this is what's happening i need you to do this da 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 it's like soften feel it because if you drop behind that stressed or overwhelmed or whatever it, it is you're feeling on the surface you're probably somewhere in there sad or tired or or whatever it may be mm. and if when we can feel that in our partner we'll it's like what do i need to do like sign me up i'm ready like there's an innate thing that men have to want to provide but if there's no space or there's no, um, yeah, if it's coming from that should or demand, then there's a resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can soften and come from that place and be like, ask for help. Be like, this is how this is currently working. I'm taking responsibility for this, this and this, but it's getting really heavy. Like, And, and then share from mm-hmm. that space. And then he'll actually be able to feel you. And then you can create, and it all comes down to, yeah, communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so Morgan's asked, what do you find is the biggest resistance in men? To what? Was that just the well, I think whole question? In, in general, like, yeah, what, like, what do you find men are most resistant mm. to? I think men appear to be like more resistance because we're actually really resilient Mm. in the fact that we can have stuff not feeling that great and push on regardless. And that can be a real strength. Resilience is a real strength, but it can be at the detriment to our well-being long-term. So, um, and in no particular order, but a few things. And again, I'll speak for myself, my resistance has been around, I guess, um, if we think it's going to lead to any sort of social isolation or being judged, there'll be resistance to that as it pertains to the stuff we were talking about before in terms of connecting in a bit deeper with what we're feeling and that kind of thing. There's just a deeply ingrained social stigma resistance to that. We've been rewarded our whole lives to not go into that mm. stuff. So then all of a sudden we think we can, and even if we want to mentally, it's so foreign for our body. So there's literally, there's a physiological resistance and that's why it requires work and help and support. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that would be a big, a big part of the resistance. Um, Yeah. That resilience that can then border on and lead into stubbornness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'd say they're, 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 they're the biggest things that I've 
experienced. Yeah. 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 So then, well, what helps you call in your emotions and call in abundance from a masculine mind frame? Call in my emotions and call in abundance from masculine mind frame. Yeah. Translate into words that make sense for you if you need to. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what do you... Well, like, so people are trying to ask questions in a very small question box on my Instagram. Yeah, so they're yeah. abbreviated, but I would interpret that as, you know, how, how does a man get in touch with his emotions? And mm. then how does he get in touch with circulating abundance from like the developed masculine rather than not, mm. I would say. Because I think a lot of... And this is just a, an opinion I've got is like a lot of men probably shy away from going into those things because they believe that it, um, it's going to polarize them into that feminine mm. energy, which then takes them away from being able to do their job and do the things yeah. that they need to do. Right. So like, how does one do that in a way that's from that developed? <sighs> Good question. Yeah. Thanks, babe. Thanks for paraphrasing no that walkers. one. <laughs> um, and this is one I've struggled with, like recently had a huge shift um in that a lot of the way and again we're just generalizing with the man and the masculine here but like is creating through like doing through that yang energy like solar plexus or like survival based like root chakra like i'm gonna go and do the thing with force Mm -hmm. and create what i need to create and provide and and that works Mm -hmm. right and that's what we know um but it can have a time limit on it, can lead to burnout, all of those kinds of things. Does it necessarily lead to lots of fulfillment? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I saw, I think it might have been Tariq who did a post on this and it was like the heart is more of a yin mm-hmm. center and so it's opening up to receptivity is key to that. And my personal experience with this has been through our birth journey is opening to the receptivity and support of community of um yeah people wanting to help saying yes to that and just like rewiring what it felt like to receive unapologetically Mm. and then i've noticed a direct translation into business Mm -hmm. like i'm doing less than i ever have and earning more than i ever have Mm -hmm. like and obviously us with our combined stuff Mm -hmm. with ignite and everything but even coaching like all of it i'm doing Mm -hmm. less and i i'd say opening up and, and we can't receive through our heart if it's blocked and again, this becomes just another reason to dive into mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And knowing, I think a big thing is knowing that just because you explore your feminine, just because you explore emotion, just because you explore this stuff, doesn't mean you need to live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like go and tap into it so then you have the ability to go there when you need to. Mm. And it, it's developing that agility. So it's not, there's this fear that, if I do that, then I'll end up being soft, limp, weak, whatever the story is in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not going to change your fundamental nature. You're just going to expand your ability to experience all mm-hmm. the different facets of what it means to be a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no, that can look a million different ways, yeah. right? Like I believe that looks like just like knowing who you are and being that mm. fully. Yeah. And that can look a million different ways. But in terms of the specific question, it's like, yeah, 
it's very hard to tap into that if your heart's closed, mm-hmm. if you've not been able to access that kind of stuff. So I would start there yeah, as a base point and I probably wouldn't complicate it much more than that. And as a, as a practical way of, of starting there, would you say something like breath work? Yeah, like breath would- work, journaling is yeah. actually way more powerful than people give it credit <laughs> yeah. for. Um, writing, expressing, that's a form of like cathartic like release. Yeah. You're, you're getting it out of your system. And journaling can be a really good one because nobody's going to read it. Mm. So it's like right, give yourself space to sit and write down what's actually going on for you. Um, breath work is huge for just getting in touch with your mm-hmm. body because that's where our emotions exist. Mm-hmm. They're an experience. Um, and then get in the space where you're supported. Mm. So like men's work, breath work workshops, all these kinds of things. Um, get support yeah. with it 100%. I've been in that many spaces and will continue to be because it's – the biggest myth is that we can do it alone. Mm. Somehow we were gifted with all of the insight to be able to do it all alone. Like it's just ridiculous. Like we all need help. We all need support, especially with this stuff because mm-hmm. more often than not we didn't get it modeled for us Yeah, growing up. So there's no sort of innate wiring that sets us up for that. Yeah, totally. Um, and then – We've got the question of how do you handle strong neg- negative emotions? Like for you personally, is that a process of writing or emotional release and how does that look for you? Mm. Well, I think like I don't believe there's any strong negative emotions. Um, there's just strong emotions and then we frame them mm-hmm. as negative or positive and I think that's part of the issue. Mm-hmm. And often the quote-unquote negative emotions get more negative and stronger because there's a resistance to them. And yeah. we push them down mm-hmm. and we try to avoid them. But when things do pop up, like if there's sadness or grief or frustration, I just feel it and I just let it run its course. And mm-hmm. for me, the best way to do that is either A, get out into nature mm-hmm. and let nature take care of it. Go for a walk without your phone for an hour in the bush and try not to feel better. Try <laughs> not to have – it just ease. Try not to get more clarity. It's like you can't – it just happens. Yeah. So so I feel like that is a really powerful way and then breath work. Yeah. And it's just feel it. Like most emotions, if we don't attach to them with a story, most emotional lady Jill Bolte Taylor has done a lot of research around this. Most emotions will run their course in about seventy seconds. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that is like a thought generated feeling that we're looping. Mm-hmm. And we're generating with what we're thinking. So if we just actually, if you're angry, breathe into your belly, let yourself feel it, scream into a pillow, move your body, yeah. shake, let it move through your system. I guarantee you won't be able to do that for a minute straight mm. before you feel Something. relief. Yeah. yeah, You'll feel relief. You'll feel totally. lighter. You'll feel clearer. And the same with sadness or grief or it's like let yourself go there. Let yourself mm. feel it. And a lot of the time, I guess, as, as human beings, we kind of look to something to blame mm. where it's like if we actually let the emotion run its course, it would probably dissolve a lot on its own unless we keep bringing it up in our mind to be like, mm. wait, no, like there was wrongdoing here or this or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and something I've noticed you do in the past also is you've firstly – do your best not to project it onto anybody like you you do take responsibility for your emotion be mm. like this is my emotion nobody can make me feel anything yeah yeah i feel this because it's active in my body it's been activated and it's mm. my responsibility now to go and 
you know and then you've also channeled it into things like workshops oh sorry not workshops workouts or going for a run or yep. like boxing or jujitsu or something mm-hmm. like that like where you can use your physical body to move mm-hmm. the emotion and i've also noticed in the past like you know you'll just disappear into a room if you're feeling frustrated and that's me giving you space just oh he's disappeared into the room and i'll hear you you'll put loud music on and you will <laughs> you will let the emotion actually come up i'll either hear you crying or just yelling into a pillow and just like moving that frustration through your body and mm. you come out and you're great mm. and you're just regular tell again yeah just and it, it's just dropping the judgment around it um yeah moving your body it's like i can't remember that was a really good quote like a stagnant body will lead to an overwhelmed mind or something like that Mm. but it's like if you're feeling anxious overwhelmed or or, or anything like that go move your body Mm. like go take some deep breaths go put your feet on the earth don't sit on the couch scrolling don't try to think your way out of (laughs) a shitty thought pattern like move your way out of it um so yeah there's there's a few things yeah and so then Milani and Brittany both kind of sent in a very similar question. So they'd both love to know more about your health stuff. So, for example, what does your morning practice and routine look like? Your food, movement-based stuff, rest, your how to nourish your mind, like mm. a bit more of that holistic health conversation happening. Yeah. Um, so morning routine is always evolving, mm. um, but there's always some staples. Like the first one is noticing what I'm thinking um, and Nick Perry did a really good post about this practice particular practice but just noticing what I'm thinking as I wake up yeah and checking in and the first thing I'll catch myself and I'll just say thank you three times thank you thank you thank you and that kind of breaks the cycle because often we can carry one day into the next mm. if we're stressed about things or pissed off about things or whatever we can actually wake up quote unquote on the wrong side of the bed some of the first part of my morning routine is just kind of breaking that cycle through gratitude just mm-hmm. thank you thank you thank you i woke up cat and raffi next to me it's like today's gonna be a good day mm-hmm. like that's the first thing and then hydration mm-hmm. so i'll drink probably not quite a liter probably about 800 mils of water within 10 minutes 15 Mm. minutes of waking up because we dehydrate massively overnight um and then i'll do some sort of breath work and movement so i'll do some sort of mobility for hip spinal mobility and then some sort of breath work um and then some form of meditation but that whole thing the movement breath work meditation if I've only got 10 minutes, I'll only do 10 minutes for all three of those. You know, if I've got an hour, I'll do an hour. So it's not that I have this 90 minute routine that's to the T every time, but I'm making sure I'm touching all of those. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a 60 second meditation, it's worth it. It yeah. works. It helps. I might not, you know, go into full transcendence every morning. <laughs> you with might it, not be enlightened. But you'll, get a, <laughs> you'll get a bit more. I'll get a bit more space. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do that and then I look at what the day ahead involves and I sort of visualize or just run through each of those things and visualize how I want it to go. So mm. if there's coaching calls, I'll be like, those coaching calls are amazing. Like I'll, like I'll visualize and feel what it feels like to have all those things that day mm-hmm. go really well if we're going to go for a walk, if we're whatever. 
just I'll yeah. go through, I'll look at my calendar and go through the day and almost like set myself up yeah. for that. Yeah. And awesome. then I'll get a text from you saying that Rafi's ready yeah, to party. And cinema's and <laughs> I feel like party time for Rafi because Rafi literally just wants to kick me for about an hour in the morning. Um which means he wants to play, but mama's not ready to play. <laughs> yeah. So then I have my favorite addition to my morning routine is um, just snugs and playtime. I'm just going to go Rafi. get him, by the way, because he's just woken up. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And then you've also got some tinctures that you like. What? Oh, yeah. And then I've got, I've just recently brought in the um, life cycle mushrooms. Um, and I'll usually have some sort of like drink at the moment i'm back on the bulletproof coffee um loving that but and that cycle sometimes it's tea sometimes it might be a cacao but i'll usually sit and um hey little man um and i'll i'll, I'll do that and then i'll either write or or do something creative as well um but again this this varies like i um having a baby obviously throws your routines out a lot so i used to be way more structured with this than i am now but i still make sure i touch all of those points even if it's 15 minutes um because the difference is huge in my yeah mental frame for the day yeah and so natasha asks how do you continue to give when your cup is empty but kat and rafi need you um first thing that comes up is like make sure my cup doesn't get empty um yeah and i've pretty much set my whole life and lifestyle up around that fact um but life does happen and i do get drained and stressed and those things as well um good I guess question your, your morning routine sets you up big time for that yeah because you know, like, Tell wakes up before us so he's got that time to just like give to himself a little bit in the morning yeah and i think it's just um reminding myself that nothing is more important like i think that just makes it much easier so i might be thinking about work or this or that or and if i'm a bit overwhelmed um and then i just bring it back i'm like hang on a second nothing's more important than being present right now here um, but the biggest thing, yeah, for me is making sure my cup doesn't get empty. Like I can't remember the last time I was actually fully burnt out or had to tap out or. Yeah. yeah. Tal's very good at like committing to his morning routine regardless of the circumstances. And he also like is really big on his health and well-being. So making sure that he's being topped up with supplements or you know, all the support really, like mm. whether that be health support or the space to just do a morning routine or get out into nature as much as you can. Like you, you're you very good at creating that rhythm within your life mm. so that you don't get burnt out. But yeah. that's been a trial and error because I'm sure you've had times in your life where you've been very burnt out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and also just checking in proactively, like having some sort of whether it's a weekly check-in, it's like what do I need? Um, and again, it kind of goes back to that being willing to ask for help or being willing to ask for support because, yeah, that's one thing I'll do. If I do notice I am burnt out a little bit or whatever, I'll ask for help from someone um, or I'll check in and I'll figure out what I need so that I can support you guys. Um, 
yeah, and ask for help if I do get to that point. And then it's like, okay, I got to the point where my cup was getting pretty empty. Like what happened there? Where did it break down? And what needs to shift so that it doesn't happen again? Like, so yeah, be much more um, preventative yeah. with it and proactive yeah. with it. Definitely. Yeah, you don't wait until the breakdown to then reassess things. Like you're mm. kind of const- not constantly in an obsessive way, but you're constantly just like your fingers on the pulse with it all, you know? Yeah. 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 So what do you believe is the most important thing a partner can do for a new papa? Um, just check in. A, like appreciate, like know his love language. And to the best of your ability, appreciate and acknowledge everything that he's doing, um, I think is a really good start. Um, and then, yeah, just checking in with him because and seeing what, what he needs. Does he need an afternoon to go hang out with the guys or to go for a walk on his own? Because for a lot of guys, for myself, like that solitude is really important. To just like integrate, yeah, that's yeah, just, just to take some space, just to have go into that nothing box and just to take some space. Um, so, yeah, checking in with that, and I think what else? Now, those two things, like acknowledge and appreciate what he's doing and how he's providing, and make sure he knows that. Um, yeah, check in with him, see what he needs. And and make sure you're expressing what you're needing in a healthy way and not letting things build up. Like if you need time away from baby for an hour because you're going crazy, recognize that and ask for it in a healthy way proactively rather than not and then building resentment. That's actually yeah. a big one. Yeah. Like getting willing to have the conversation around what both people are needing. Mm. And that can be like, it's so good. If you come to me and you're like, Hey, I'm getting a bit overwhelmed. I need you to take Raffi. Like that's music to my ears. Cause I know that means you're not going to burn out and crack it and lose the plot at <laughs> yeah. another time, you know? Yeah, so yeah. when it's everybody wants everybody to win most of the time, if you're in a healthy mm. relationship, it's like you want to win, you want your partner to win, you want the kids to win. Like mm. everyone's on the same team. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes we forget that. So communicating um, what you're needing as well as making space for what they're needing so you can, yeah, yeah. Come, come together and both have win-win-win. Yeah, totally. I agree. It's always <laughs> a lot easier when I can communicate clearly with you what, what's being needed rather than waiting. Or assuming we should know Yeah. as well. Oh, little man. Hold on two seconds. Yeah. Okay, well, how about this? When did you first feel your fatherly instincts? Mm. Oh, little man. Um, First fatherly instincts. I don't know. It's been a gradual thing. I think I've always known I wanted to be a dad. Um, And, yeah, I didn't really have a moment where I'm like, okay, yeah, I really want to be dad or it's kind of just always been there. Um, definitely before. But maybe more so when did that yearning kick in? You know, that instinctual like, oh, 
like, I actually want to be a dad now type of thing rather than, yeah, one day I'll be a dad. Oh, yeah, good question. Um, I think, and we kind of shared this in the conscious concept, like the very first episode of the podcast. Um, once we moved down south, probably about a year after we moved down, because mm. we were starting to have that conversation and I was like, yep, like I'm open to this and, and had some stuff to, to work through. So I was, yeah, fine, I guess mentally up for it. But mm. in terms of like, yep, let's go. Um, that was probably a couple of maybe 18 months before we conceived, two years. Yeah, I'd say about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then how did you overcome the f- any fear of being a father? And um, the question is also like, sorry, guys, this is the question leading on from it. It's like, what what is a pers- your personal journey through, you know, releasing the fear of becoming a father and then actually like feeling that moment of, yeah, I'm ready? Mm, I think like there's always a bit of hesitancy, a bit of like, whoa, how's this going to go? I don't think when you're doing something completely new, mm. I don't think... Well, I've never got to the point where you're completely sweet with it. I think there's always a sense of like, oh, wow, you know. Um, But just reframing the fears um, and understanding that it's all a construct. Mm -hmm. Like recognizing, cool, the fear isn't necessarily real. I could make it real if I wanted, but I could also reframe it so that Mm -hmm. it's not real in me or yeah. dominating my state of being often yeah. um and then one practical thing we did was that burning ceremony where we actually had a conversation around our fears yeah um and that was really powerful for That's letting go in of them. our conscious conception episode by yeah. the way guys um yeah so that helped and then just talking to people yeah like that you have enough conversations about it. Well, talking sp- to the the people who you're inspired by the yeah. way they do it, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because you could talk to a whole bunch of people who are like, it's the worst thing ever, don't do it. Yeah. And you could talk to a whole bunch of people who are like, it's actually incredible and we can help you out. Yeah. And well, and even speaking to men that weren't dads. Yeah. And they were just like, man, you're sweet, as if you won't be able to do this and yeah. do it really well. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, surround that environment is really yeah really important for that and something as well. else i noticed you do that i didn't really see a lot of people do is in like I, f- I feel like as a general society a lot of people are kind of like okay well we'll start thinking about that when we get pregnant mm-hmm. i'll start thinking about you know the the realities of becoming a father when they're pressing and something that you did is you kind of saw, okay, what would all my realities be that I will need to face up? And then how do we spread that out over like a two-year period yeah. rather than have to deal with them all in like the last six months of a pregnancy mm. and then get hit with the realities of I've got a baby now? Yeah. Well, and I think, again, the more we know about something, like what we don't understand, we naturally fear. Mm. Like if an animal walked into this room and we didn't know what it was, we'd be really scared of it. Like. Mm yeah cultures that we don't understand it's very easy to because it's conditioned to fear what we don't understand so if we don't know much about what parenthood's going to look like what birth is going to look like what all of that involves we don't know how it's going to look and if there's lots of unknowns you're going to be more scared yeah so learning more about it is a really easy way to be like oh feel more equipped straight away totally and that is so relatable to like delving into emotional well-being yeah, and delving it. in you know like all of the men's stuff it's like 
anything that's a bit unknown mm-hmm. feels foreign. So making the effort to go and mm. learn and doesn't mean that you have to commit to it. It doesn't mean it has to be like the thing that you're going to be doing, but even just like, you know, be curious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be curious. Yeah. And so what would your best advice for a new dad be? Um, I'm just going to pass on a lot of the advice that I got given that was really good. <laughs> so I'm taking zero credit for, for this. <laughs> um, like drop any expectations. Pretty sure that was Finn who told me that. Complete body approach on Instagram. Um, <laughs> shout out Finn. Um, yeah, drop any expectations. Um, that was the biggest one. Mm. And I find whenever any moments of... Um, challenge or tension have popped up it's because i'm thinking things should be other than they are Mm -hmm. so dropping any expectations and just surrendering to the process yeah um maintaining some time for yourself Mm -hmm. like i said even when early days i'd still maintain at least 15 20 minutes yeah that was for me yeah and i think that really i think it was almost a bit easier really early days because rafi would sleep so much and i can imagine moving forward you know when you've got a toddler that's running around wanting you know Mm. that time and energy with parents it's like that's when it's going to get really important to to maintain at least that 20 minutes in the morning or something yeah yeah and even if it's not first thing in the morning because it's straight into kids but it's Mm. like you get in the car to go to work give yourself five minutes then or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be yeah there'll be there's there's time there's Mm -hmm. always yeah it's not a time problem it's a um priority yeah yeah Yeah. and it's just a a habit and it's i think that's the biggest thing is understanding um for me speak like from my experience is understanding habits are going to change so rather than trying to hold on to what was or just throw everything out the window Mm. be open to every couple of weeks checking in with things yeah like how am i working through things now like Like he'll go through a leap or he'll go Yeah. yeah and it changes pretty quick so um yeah, so that that's one. Ask for help is another big one. And again, we, we addressed a lot of that stuff in the um, the first four episodes that we did. Mm-hmm. But really, being willing to ask for help when you need it, um, I think, is really yeah has been a big part of what's made the transition for me personally and for us so mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah, awesome. And so. Did you find that you could communicate with Rafi through pre-birth communication or like before he was conceived more from like that energetic level? Yeah. I didn't, not to the point where I would have like conversations with him. Like you would share like dreams you had and that sort of stuff. You had a couple of dreams, didn't you? Um, I had a dream that I delivered a girl. Maybe maybe that's your future daughter being yeah. like, yo. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I definitely felt like I could connect with his like energy, his vibe. That like, you I could, could feel him. what he yeah, felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Which, yeah, and, and definitely now having met him, mm. it was on point. It was exactly what I expected. I feel like we should do a spirit baby episode itself. Kind of did that in conscious conception. To, to an extent, we did in conscious conception, but you Maybe. know, like there's so many different ways spirit babies can <laughs> communicate, and. When I ever talk about like, you know, we were in communication with our baby, but was, like they weren't just talking to us in our ear. Yeah, For yeah, some yeah. people though, that's what happens. Like I feel like it was more of an intuitive like guiding of decisions and like 
and her feeling, like mm. connecting with the energy and the spirit of baby and knowing what that would feel like. And now knowing him, it was him. It's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really cool. <laughs> Such a little legend. <laughs> um, okay, so. There was a question actually that came through that if Kat didn't want kids, what would have your response been as a husband? Mm, we probably wouldn't have got to the point where I was a husband. You know, like that would have been a conversation earlier on. And yeah, if you were a hard no, then our relationship probably wouldn't have yeah, progressed. It would have just been a bit of a you know, misalignment. Like, and it was just so far from being even a possibility because I could tell early on even before the conversations how maternal you were so um but yeah in a hypothetical land i wouldn't have got to the point where we were married Mm -hmm. i think those are conversations that well what if okay so in another situation what if i had wanted kids and changed my mind Hmm. yeah i don't know how to answer that like i would have to i would just check in with what was present for me and navigate it yeah um yeah don't have much more to give on that like it's one of those things i always deal with those i just trust my intuition Mm -hmm. so that not actually being the reality um it's hard to say yeah um but if it got to the point where if for me the truest thing was yes like i want to have kids and for you it was a no and you were certain that wasn't going to change then we probably would have gone in our separate ways. Yeah. Like if that was the the truest thing for both of us, then... And so I guess it's really trusting that each person in the situation is tapped into that truest, highest self of themselves. Exactly, and it wouldn't have been a decision made in an hour. It no. wouldn't have been like, hey, babe, I don't think I want to have kids. All right, catch her. Like yeah. it definitely would have held space. Oh, little man, he's got his down mouth on little sad we face. might have to wrap this up pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. i think he's like come on guys yeah, i just want to hang enough. out and play that's enough um okay then well two more quick questions and then we're done skis so mm-hmm. first one is what is the best approach for women to encourage their man to open up and explore conscious connection um i think exactly what we spoke about before mm. about yeah those same approaches um but relating that to conscious conception i think just communicate it like connection conce- oh connection yeah well same thing for anything it's like um yeah getting really clear about what you want or need mm-hmm. what that would mean for you mm-hmm. what that would provide for you and then communicate that ask them hold space for what their answer actually is without making them wrong mm. rinse and repeat if you do that enough times back and forth you'll move in the direction of yeah. more connection and I think sometimes initially like there can sometimes be resistance if that safe space hasn't been held before. Yeah. It's like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a man felt a bit uncomfortable to lean in and trust it just like a woman would, right? Like 100%. anyone would. Um, and get help. If like, again, there's this illusion that we're supposed to have it all figured out. Tully and I have and had a mediator just, before. Yeah. Like we have totally And, and had, we would get one again yeah. if we needed one. If we got to the point where it's like, whoa, we're not. I can't see how that would happen now, but like say if we did, I would have no qualms in having somebody hold space for a conversation. It's it's almost like liberating because it means that we wouldn't have to do as much work. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's so like being open to if you're in that space where you know you can't you can't communicate on that level. Yeah, 
get some help, learn how to. It's just mm-hmm. skills that if we don't get taught, we're not going to know. Yeah. So, but anyone can learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be yeah. my response for that. And um, <clears throat> I left this last question to last because it's about me. So, I want to hear what you have to say. I think that's about all we've got time <laughs> for, guys. So, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um. <clears throat> How does Kat bring out the best in you as a wifey? Uh, um, good question. What are you guys? Are you going to pick up your mic, babe? Do you have anything else to add? No. Is this the Ask Tully, the Ask Tully episode or is this the Ask Tully and wait for Kat to I'm chime s- in? I'm silent over here, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, so much. Like, just appreciates... Kat does a really good job at appreciating, noticing what I'm doing and providing and appreciating that. Um, Gotten a lot better at giving me space when I need it and not taking it personally. Specifically when we're sleeping in bed and he refuses to snuggle me. Refusing to snuggle is pretty (laughs) dramatic. I snuggle. In fact, while we're here... Let's talk about that. Okay. You did a great job last night. It's probably one out of the seven days this week. <laughs> you just, this is fake news. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. I snuggle, love what to snuggle. Making, but once we go to sleep, I'm like, cool, snuggling's done. It's time to sleep. Like I'm a pitter. I run hot and I'm like, we snuggle and then we sleep. And they're two different activities. And for cat, they're the same activity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, but yeah, that's how, and she's just really supportive of any ideas that I've got. Um, yeah, and when we when we have differing ideas or opinions about how things could look, she's always really open to seeing my point of view as I am hers. Mm. Um, but yeah, knowing knowing that I can bring anything to the table and if I say, hey, I've got something I need to share, um, and pre-frame it, then you'll listen without judgment and um, without trying to fix. So, yeah, so much. And just being an amazing mum to little Raffi is um, supporting me as well because I know mm. that's something I just never have to worry about, which is a huge mm. load off. Yeah. Well, I just feel like we tend to have a lot of respect mm. in our relationship. Every conversation is a conversation that's allowed to be had. Mm. There's never anything that's not on the table. Mm. And um, yeah, like whenever you, when you tell me what you need in order to thrive as your best self, I know that that means that you'll be able to also thrive for us as a family. And mm. so it's like, okay, what do you need? How can we get you there? And and then that's reciprocated as well, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Well, guys, like, I mean, I feel like this is almost our excuse every podcast end. It's like, Rafi needs us, but he does. <laughs> Do you have anything to say, buddy? Uh, hey. Uh. No worries. Thanks for your contribution, little man. <laughs> so we're going to leave it there. But thank you guys so much for sending Thanks in your for questions. Thanks for all the questions, guys. Hope um, that was helpful yeah. or insightful. And I hope you enjoy listening. It was so funny. Most of the questions actually were sent in by women. So mm. if you feel like sharing this podcast with uh, your partner, feel free. Let us know what you think. Um, and we will see you in the next episode, which is an Ask Cat episode. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. See you later. <laughs>